Well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Well, welcome back, everyone, to Aging Fearlessly Radio and Podcast. And I have a guest that's been on a couple of times before, and her name's Annie Gurton. And uh, I'm not going to introduce her as to what she does. I am going to let her tell you all about what she does. Welcome, Annie. Thank you, Karen. It's good to be back. I re-ran one of your interviews on the human givens just recently because I think at this point in time it's really important to know what we actually need to survive Mm. and I I really loved that interview. I know we did it over a year ago but I I think it's just important to remind people at such tough times what it is that we really need. Yes and what it says is that at the essence what we need apart from Um, oxygen, food, um, and sleep, and water. And shelter. Then we go into shelter. It's Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. um, On top of that are things like connection, hugely powerful. And in these times, we're really realizing how important connection is. But also privacy is important to us. Yes. Some people are getting more than they want, but... (laughs) privacy and and there's various other fundamental emotional needs that we have and we also um, have ways of getting our needs met which are quite frustrated at the moment because we have ways of getting our connection needs met and that's quite frustrated by the social distancing. Yeah it is and you and I are used to having quite a large group of people around us especially in the morning and that's what gets us going every day. And, and I think a lot of people may be in similar situations, whether they go to the gym and their mornings are probably quite different because of the routine changes. Well, I think we should point out, what, what, tell people what you're talking about there, which is Karen and I share a swimming group and we often meet in the mornings at about seven o'clock down at Manly and as we swim with the bold and the beautiful. And that's our sort of gym. It's a water gym. <laughs> and we, we do have a lot of opportunity there to, um, to actually speak to people. And I think you've said to me once before, Annie, one of the most important things in our lives is that people know your name and, and actually say your name. And it's like, hi, Annie, and how important that aspect of your life is. And, you know, I must say on that, I've made a really conscious uh, decision to to commit to knowing people's names and it's amazing because I always used to say to myself oh I never remember names so I changed the way I framed that to myself and I've got so much better at it yes it is a skill isn't it it is a skill it's a fundamental psychological theory that by having someone say our names we feel our our lives are recognized we're recognized as human beings we have value so it is important to use people's names whenever we can And I used to validate to myself that I was terrible at remembering names. And when I actually changed that around and I framed it differently, I've got better at it. But I've consciously, when I 
meet people now, I'm actually, oh, hi, Annie, Annie, and I'm committing to remembering the name. It's a good practice. It is a good practice. And I've surprised myself. Well, can you just give a bit of background as to your career and what you actually do? Okay, so I'm a couples therapist. Um, I work with relationships. Of course, we're all in relationship all the time with everybody else. We're very connected. We're social creatures. Um, so I work a lot with couples who, who are finding that the connection and the communication between them is not as good as they'd like it to be. So often couples start a relationship, it's very hot and it's very romantic, and then they move into the next phase of a relationship, which is perfectly normal, and we call it the power struggle, and that's when the kind of conflicts, disputes, ruptures appear. And if we can get them through that, then we move into a deeper love phase. Um, the life, uh, length of each of those stages varies, so the romantic phase might just last a few weeks or several years, the conflict phase might last just a few months or many years. And the deeper love phase also can kick in at any time. So every relationship is different. You've got such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to relationships. And, and I, you know, I think over the years I've been taking some advice for you and looking at relationships differently. But we're in the midst of COVID-19 and... A lot of us are now, well, we are all really confined to home. Yeah. So there's, there can be struggles happening. And I know the government's been concerned about domestic violence. There's all sorts of things that can be going on behind closed doors mm. that no one else is privy to. Mm. We're going to talk about some of those things today. Okay. So well, relationships behind closed doors. Yeah. What, what could be happening now, Annie? Well, um, what's happening is that previously um, work was a kind of circuit breaker. So for couples, a lot of couples, one or both of them would go to work five days a week. And that acted as um, as a break in their, in their relationship, in their time together. And that's very useful to have that time. So anything that's been going on, if there's been conflict, if there's been any difficulty, going to work can be really useful. So couples are finding that without that circuit breaker, they're forced to be together 24-7 and stuff comes up. Yeah, I've had quite a lot of new couples calling me because, of course, I'm working online now. And that works really well. And a lot of them are sort of reporting that they're finding they're having arguments when they didn't used to. I can imagine... They might be looking at each other's habits and, you know, getting annoyed by those habits. And what sort of things may they actually be facing right now, couples? Okay, so I think the main thing that couples are facing is that um, familiarity breeds contempt. And they're together so much now, whereas previously work could have provided a circuit breaker, they're together so much of the time that they almost become like brothers and sisters. So the main challenge, I think, is actually keeping romance alive. Mm. It can be really difficult to uh, remember that you have to be sweet to each other and you have to be nice to each other and you have to do little things to each other, even when you are together 24-7. Mm. What are some examples of what people could actually do? You know, normally, well, quite often we hear people have date nights. How can we do that when we're isolated? I'm hearing lots of creative ways of doing that, but, um, yeah, surprise is the key. Right. The key to romance is surprise. 
So um, I often ask my couples, what did your partner do for you in the early days of the relationship? And they will say, oh, he used to leave me little notes when in my bag when I went to work, or she used to leave me little surprises under the pillow, or the little things that couples do. And I suggest that they go back to those things that they first used to do. That's the first way around it. First thing to do, first stop, first word. I remember someone who was going overseas for quite a while and uh, it was someone I worked with in the film industry and their partner had hidden notes all through her luggage and, you know, she'd get out a favourite pair of shoes to go walking one day when we were in the middle of Poland or something and put a foot in the shoe and find a note or she'd um, find a, a note in her wash bag or in some little nook in her bag so, you know, just be a few lines or a little poem or something. It was really sweet. I think it's letting the other one know that you're thinking of them. And that's quite hard when you're cooped up in the unit um, 24-7. So um, people are using SMSs. So um, you can message each other on the phone as though you were a long way away. <laughs> yeah, go and pick a flower in the garden. Something like that. Yeah, there are ways. So it, people can be creative with it, but rem- remembering to try and keep the romance up and that romance um, comes from surprises. It's all about surprise. That's what makes things romantic. That's the way to go. That's what people should be doing. And sometimes space, you know, at the moment, I know both of us are in larger spaces, but people can be cooped up in tiny little units. There's not a lot of places to hide. Well, one of the things that I, I'm suggesting that couples do was a couple of things. So I'll, I'll start with the first one. The first one is I suggest that couples have a routine. So in the mm. same as before this situation, they would say leave work at eight in the morning, leave for work at about eight in the morning, come back in the afternoon. They have a similar kind of program. So, so for example, in the mornings, there's at least several hours when they are not expected to talk to each other they go they do things privately even if they're in the same unit they they read or do but they're separate and they try and respect the other one's privacy in those moments so in those hours so they have a timetable and and therefore have a routine obviously it's important to um keep up personal hygiene so you don't slob around in your trackies all day so (laughs) to some extent to some degree anyway um, keep up personal hygiene and and just have a routine around meal times and uh, times together and times apart so that yeah. even if they're in a small space they still have time apart it's important mentally it's one of our human givens that we have privacy so we need yeah. that the second thing i'm suggesting couples do is have an agreement about how we're going to argue so at some point when they're not arguing they sit down and agree that uh, if something comes up, this is what we're going to do. And they both agree to respect and honour it. So that agreement would probably start with some kind of um, signal or code that there's something going on. There's an argument and they may need to take space to to separate. So a hand signal I usually give is the T sign that you see in basketball. Time out. Time out, that's the one. Um, And also um, a verbal key code word now i suggest couples use um, flamingos pink flamingos if they hear the other one say is pink flamingos on the lawn they know that's time to separate and part of the agreement is that they have safe spaces in the apartment where they go to 
So he may go to the kitchen, she may go to the balcony. And when they're in this situation, she doesn't go to the kitchen, he does not go to the balcony. It's respected as each one's safe space. So they, why, why pink flamingos? Oh, it's just completely random. And if they're at a party or something and something comes up, um, they, and they say that people around won't know on earth they're talking about. Ah, I thought there might have been something symbolic about no, it. There's no significance, but it's better than saying, I need to talk to you when we get home or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, pink flamingos. Okay, well, I might develop one for myself. I think that's a, that's a great one. And you, you just said about a safe space, and one of the human givens is um, people deserved or, or need to feel safe. Our safety is huge. I mean, as human beings, we need to feel safe. As small babies, we need to feel safe. Throughout our lives, we need to feel safe. Some people like to play with that um, uh, as they get older and take more risks. You'll find uh, adolescent men take a lot more risks and a lot of girls as well. Um, But small children like safety. And as you get older, you need more and more safety. Quiet, calm, peace on the whole, generally speaking. It's a, um, and I think when you learn to allow yourself, you know, that time and that space, um, it's a real privilege. And at the moment, we have a little bit of that. We're all confined and I'm at home and I feel safe. Um, But yeah, it's um, having that space is very important. Well, my view is what we're going through is actually a really precious, unique time that we should be appreciating i mean i know people talk about learning a language or learning an instrument but more than that it's actually also a time when we can learn to just sit with ourselves and be with ourselves and in our busy world that was we just didn't get time for that so i think this is a wonderful opportunity this this time that we have now it's not going to last forever no and i hear so many people echoing the same thing that they actually have had time to catch up with themselves because we're all living in in the fast lane even when we think we're not we actually are yeah Yeah. and your next point after having a safe space somewhere they can go to one goes to the kitchen maybe one goes to the lounge room yeah so and these are designated spaces and areas and there's a code word and so they have an agreement of what we're going to do when we argue. And these are the kind of things they, they agree beforehand. So that when something comes up, and it does, inevitably, there's friction. There's a little moment of irritation. There's frustration. So if that happens, um, the next thing they should do is ask the other one if it's a good time to talk about it. So mm-hmm. they would say, I'd like to talk to you about what just happened there is now a good time. And the other one can say no. It's really important that they don't feel they have to have that conversation right then and there. They can say, no, now's not a good time. Let's do it at six o'clock tonight just before dinner or something. So, again, asking for permission to or agreeing to when's a good time. Absolutely. It's really important. Otherwise, one could feel bullied. One could feel intimidated or unprepared. Also, in the process of dispute resolution, uh, time is extremely useful. So allowing time to take heat out of the situation, allowing both parties to calm down. I mean, the the Victorians used to say, you should never go to sleep on an argument. And Mm -hmm. that 
that idea is well out of the window these days. We now set say next day is actually probably better to talk about things than the same day. So if yeah. you have a heated uh, discussion and things get out of hand, um, you can agree to come back to it next day. Sleep, mm. calm down, try and think how the other one is feeling and what's going on for the other one. Welcome back to Aging Fearlessly. In the studio today with me is Annie Gurton, and she's a couples therapist. Annie, uh, we were just talking about self-isolation and couples and issues that they might be having, finding getting on each other's nerves or arguments and just the, this confined close quarters that we're all living in. So we've covered things like having a routine, safe spaces to go to. What's one of the next things that people need to be aware of? Well, I'm, I'm talking here really for couples who are in, in conflict. Uh, couples who are getting on fine really don't need to know this for the moment, but uh, conflict comes up in most relationships. Actually, it's really healthy. We know now that a relationship without any conflict is rather unhealthy. So conflict, we call it growth trying to happen. Ah. So we welcome conflict. Um, the thing about conflict is a good relationship is one that manages conflict well. And a couple is able to navigate the conflict in a structured um, sharing kind of way whereas an unhealthy couple a couple that's struggling will find conflict scary and um, just difficult and uncomfortable yeah so what I do largely is help couples to navigate their conflicts help couples to talk about things in a um, caring listening way that's a not healthy a, way. a healthy way yeah so, so they're in their time out and in their safe space and uh, one asks, is it a good time to talk? And the other one says, no, we let's agree on a time, six o'clock tonight. So they're doing that. What's one of the next things that has to happen then? So then they come together. Say they've agreed to come together at six o'clock to talk about whatever it was that, um, that kicked things off. Um, by now, things hopefully are calmer and they can talk more calmly. Um, and that's important because they need to be able to listen to each other. We call it listening so the other one can talk and talking so the other one can listen. We call this the Imago Dialogue. Mm. The whole process that I use, the whole theory is called Imago, I-M-A-G-O. It means image. And it refers to the fact that when we're attracted to someone, we're actually attracted to someone who is the image of us in our childhood woundings, someone who is wounded at the same stage of our childhood, um, but uh, coped with it in another way in a different way it's complicated to put it into an elevator pitch sort of nutshell like that but um, there is a big body of theory behind the imago process and the main front end of the process if you like is the dialogue the imago dialogue and that's a structured way of talking with your partner so that they feel fully listened to fully heard and fully understood so the Imago, you were saying the Imago theory and there is a way of communicating, having a dialogue. So tell me about, or how do you as a therapist use Imago? So I teach the couple how to have an Imago dialogue. And the Imago dialogue is a very structured way of talking. When they first begin to learn it, it can feel quite clunky, but they very quickly get into it and it becomes the way that they navigate their conflicts. Um, and it enables them each to be to listen and to be heard because one of the main problems with couples who can't communicate well is you hear that oh he never listens to me I don't feel heard I don't feel understood 
So uh, this is a way of encouraging a couple to have a conversation so that they both do feel heard. So the way it works is that um, they take it in turns over about 10 or 15 minutes each, and then they swap and the other one has their turn. So you have a speaker and a receiver, a sender and a receiver. And then all the receiver has to do is mirror back what they hear the sender say. So um, the sender will send in small chunks of words, just small. um, We have an eight-second short-term memory, so the receiver can't remember more than eight seconds worth. So the sender has to break down what they want to say into small chunks and stop, let, let it be mirrored back, okay? So the sender might say, oh, I got really cross when you um, didn't take the rubbish out. Um, and then they'd stop and the receiver would say, do you want to? Oh, you got really cross when I didn't take the rubbish out. Yeah, it made me feel like you don't respect me. I make you feel like I don't respect you. That's right. And it makes me feel really cross. It makes me feel really angry. So you feel really cross and angry. Yeah, and also when you don't pick your stuff up from on the floor. You get cross and angry when I don't pick the things up off the floor. Yeah, and that makes me feel disrespected too. So you feel disrespected for that too. Yeah, and so it goes on yeah. uh, with the sender um, saying all the things that is making them cross. And, and so they have about 15 minutes to do that? Well, no, not quite, about five minutes to do that. Oh. And and then the receiver, when they stop and they eventually run out, the receiver will say, is there more? And they'll be curious. They'll be like crossing a metaphorical bridge into the sender's world and be curious about what's actually going on for them. So you would cross into my world and be curious about, so why are you so frustrated? What does that, and you would encourage me to say more and more about that frustration. So Annie, why are you cross and frustrated about that? It just reminds me of the time when my mother expected me to pick everything up around the house. And I would validate with, so it reminds you of the time your mother made you pick up everything around the house. Yeah, and she would expect me to take responsibility for my siblings too. I used to get really cross. And she expected you to take the responsibility of your siblings Mm. and it made you cross. Mm. And so it would go on um, at at that stage. Um, And then when I've completely finished and I've said everything that I want to say, you as the receiver would summarise in your own words what you've heard me say. So so what I did made you feel like your mother did, making you pick everything up around the house, and that made you feel really angry and looking after your siblings as well and doing your siblings as well. And I felt disrespected. And you felt disrespected, yeah. Okay, I get the idea, yeah. So so I'm feeling really heard because I've heard you say that back to me. I know now that you really to me. You're really listening to me. Ah. Okay. Okay, yeah, great. And the next step is for you to say, as the receiver, you would say what makes sense to me and what you've said is. Uh, it doesn't mean that the receiver has to agree with the sender. But if there's anything what I've said that sort of makes sense to you, you would say, oh, what makes sense to me and what you've said is. Do you want to do that? Yeah, so it makes sense that what you've said to me, I can see how it would upset you that I didn't put the garbage out and that I left my clothes around and I can see why that would upset you. And I can see that, you know, this upset you when... Your, you were living with your mother 
and that you had to do this in your past. Excellent. And then you would empathize. So you would say to me, I imagine that you've been feeling. I imagine that you've been feeling hurt and frustrated Hmm. and angry. There you go. Absolutely right. I'd agree with that. Yeah. And I might add, yeah, and I've been feeling lonely. So you've been feeling lonely too. Because you haven't been aware of my feelings. Yeah. So then you swap. So now I would become the receiver and I would just mirror back what, what your frustrations are. So do you want to do a little demonstration? Yeah. Annie, I've been feeling really frustrated too. So you've been feeling frustrated too? Yeah, I've been feeling like you're nagging. You've been feeling that like I've been nagging? Yeah, you keep asking me to put the rubbish out and to do things that I will do later. So I've been asking you to put the rubbish out and do things that you would do anyway later. Yeah, but I want to do them when I want to do them. But you want to do it when you want to do it. Yeah, it upsets me that you keep asking me. And it upsets you that I keep asking you. Hmm. Is there more? No. Okay. So what I'm hearing, Karen, is that it upsets you when I keep, you, you feel that I'm nagging at you by asking you to do things that you would do norm, otherwise in your own time. Yep. Have I got you? Is that right? Yes, Have that's right. Okay. So what makes sense to me in that is it would be frustrating if you were going to do it anyway and I'd just get in there ahead of when you were going to do it and keep asking you to do it. That would feel like nagging. I get that. Yes, that feels like nagging. And I imagine you've been feeling really frustrated and cross and it's hard to explain, isn't it, to say that? So. Yes, it is hard to explain and, and, and yeah, it does, does make me cross. So how are you feeling now, having said that? I actually feel like you've listened to me. Yeah, that's wonderful, isn't it, feeling listened to. You yeah. feel like you can relax a bit more now. So you can, can, I, can I tell you? I actually started to feel, even though that's not our situation, I could sort of feel how that takes the tension out. So what I'm hearing is that just doing that little role play helps you take the tension out. You could really feel feeling heard. Yeah, Yeah. I was heard. I mean, I, I think that's a scenario that happens a lot that a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, I don't like the word nagging, but it is, you know, a word that we use in our language. And, you know, where someone, oh, I'm always asking him to do that or her to do that, and she never does it. But, yeah. It becomes an internal kind of um, a nag, if you like, a self-nag, because it keeps coming up in your mind. So it's good to be able to, like, discharge it, to get rid yep. of that feeling. So just to kind of summarise what we've been talking about, it's important um, for the receiver to be able to cross the bridge into the sender's world and to really hear what's being said and to really empathise with their feelings and see things from their point of view. Yes. Um, and an important part of this is that we respect each other. Yes. So, it has to be a, so that's why it's quite a good idea. It's done several hours after the original incident or even next day. So there is respect. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there can be no violence. You know, anything violent is uh, completely unacceptable. So violence is out. But also, we mustn't criticize each other. We shouldn't yeah. blame each other. We shouldn't shame each other. Those are the things that really uh, reside. When they are thrown at someone, they, they stick. It's like throwing mud at a wall. So if you criticism, blaming and shaming all stick and uh, are not good. So we try and avoid 
blaming, shaming and criticising. And something you said earlier to the, the tradition of never going to sleep at night on an argument is very old hat. It is now. We know that uh, 24 hours is a good kind of time. You don't, wouldn't want to leave it much longer than 24 hours, but you come back to things next day, sleep on it, have a rest. And that allows you to have a, a good sleep, knowing that you are going to talk about it next day. So you try and put it to one side. Yeah. But it's also important to kind of pick your fights. We have a saying that you can be right or you can be in a relationship. So it's important to know what are the issues, especially when you're living in a confined space, important to know what are the issues that are really not important. And just for the general well-being of the couple, um, it's better just to let go. And those things that are worth picking up on that are really rubbing you up the wrong way, making you feel aggravated. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. So there was four main parts to the imago. Three main parts. Ah, so pick your fights. And the last thing I have on my list today was um, romance. But well, we started with we that. We talked about romance, didn't we? we? And um, How important it is to keep romantic and how um, familiarity is the killer of romance, which is why it's really difficult to be romantic, stay romantic in when we're living together in a confined space. The danger is that you become like siblings, like people just friends living together and it's important to somehow keep the romance and the surprise element alive welcome back to the aging fearlessly program radio and podcast today i'm with annie girton she's a couples therapist and uh, annie this has been an amazing chat under very unusual circumstances i'm actually having to get used to zoom but it's great because I can actually see you while I'm interviewing. So I feel like we're in the same room, whereas over a telephone, it never feels the same. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Karen. Is there anything else that today, anything, how are you going? What, what are you actually getting up to these days? Well, my life isn't that much different from normal. I still get up in the morning and go for a swim. Uh, not stopping to dawdle and talk to people, of course. We just go down there, have a swim and leave straight away. And then my days are really quite similar to normal. I'm still seeing clients, but we're working online now. So um, uh, my life is much the same. So and and that's something that you said earlier was about having a routine in the house. And, you know, I have a routine at the moment, a little bit different. I get up and I have breakfast with my mum because I've escaped to the country and I'm spending time looking after mum. Um, sometime during the day I try and I get down and have a swim as well in this very quiet little beach where I'm the only person. My sister has suggested that I go to the local pool that's fenced off in the river because she's worried about sharks. I tell her I'm swimming in such shallow water that I can almost touch the bottom um, because it is at the mouth of a river and there are bullshits, bull sharks in the river, not bullshits. And, um, but yeah, trying to get out for a walk and, um, really connect and, um, with, um, nature more than anything and, and my own thoughts because I have the opportunity to slow down a little bit and yeah. not be sitting in city traffic all day. And I must say as, as much as this is, um, not a great time in, in, in the history of the world, but for stepping back and taking a look at life. There are some real positives in this moment and I'm embracing those positives as you are. We're very privileged. We're very privileged, very fortunate. We, there are people having it a lot, lot tougher than we are. 
yeah, yeah, I'm very grateful, but also enjoying the downtime, uh, the solitude, the reflection time. Yes, I think it's a great blessing. And I'm in love with Audible. I go to bed at night with, a, you know, with my Audible talking book stories and um, having a little bit of time to read. And, and then, you know, with my podcasts, I'm actually doing a podcast a day at the moment, which is wonderful mm-hmm. because um, there's so many fantastic people that I'm having a chance to talk to and hear their stories, not necessarily all about COVID, but um, just about life in general. Yeah, well done. Yeah, taking advantage of the opportunity. Well, much love for coming on and helping share about couples and the space that we're all in and how couples might handle any issues that they have. My pleasure. If there's anyone out there listening who would like someone to talk to about your relationship, you can just find me online at www.anniegerson.com and you can book yourself in using my online booking system and I can do Zoom sessions with couples and individuals. Much love, Annie. Thank you for talking to us. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Aging Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, aging is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside. There's a sparkle in It's not all nine to five, it's a wonderful life. Let's go and climb mountains high, swim across oceans wide. Live out our dreams, just you and me. Let your heart be alive. There's no time to Gotta go get the most out of time Don't be afraid Like this treasure that you've got to find Baby, don't be shy Let's go and take that ride Taste the sweet and the spice Everything nice Let your Let your heart be alive